Welcome to Cover to Cover, a podcast featuring musical conversations about an album or song which has changed and enhanced someone's life. I am your host, songwriter Matt Tarka. Thanks for joining us today. We humans connect with the presence of music in our own unique way. As an artist, a concert goer, through our headphones, or as something that simply lives in our everyday background. Our guest today comes to us from Berkeley, California. He is one Jacob Bloomfield, Miss Rock. Jacob is in a band called Clarinet Milk, which uh, is currently on hiatus at the moment, but, you know, time will tell if Clarinet Milk, uh, you know, comes back into the fray of the world of music. Um, Jacob is a composer as well as a sound supervisor. He is currently scoring a TV series that he is very excited about. So uh, keep post keep you posted on any developments regarding that particular project. Uh, in terms of any favorite sports or activities, there is no such time for such things. In terms of any favorite TV shows to watch or stream, he is currently loving season three of Ozark. And we like to ask our guests if uh, they have any pet peeves they'd like to share, any favorite foods. And uh, to sum it up, messy cables, which every media production professional and musician can relate to. And his favorite food happens to be vegan nachos. For our conversation today, we'll be discussing a hallmark moment for a band from Oxford, England. That band, of course, is Radiohead and their third full-length record, OK Computer. OK Computer offered four singles in 1997 into early 1998. They are Paranoid Android, Karma Police, Lucky, as well as No Surprises. OK Computer was released on EMI Records in May of 1997, and this uh, was the first Radiohead record produced by Nigel Godrich. Without further ado, let's welcome Jacob to the program. Jacob, it's so great to have you. Thanks so much for taking some time and talking about such an important record in uh, rock history. Sure thing, Matt. Uh, thank you for having me. And uh, it's a pleasure to be on your show. And that was a very funny intro. I, I appreciate that. <laughs> We're talking with Jacob Bloomfield, Miss Rock, here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarkas, specifically about Radiohead's third record, OK Computer. Um, Jacob, what? where did this begin for you? Where did um, What inspired you to choose this particular record from the band? So, OK Computer was a you know, pivotal moment for a lot of people, and I was a big part of that sort of life-changing moment. Uh, I was 17, and I was in bands in high school, and I was playing classical music, and I was exploring jazz and improvised music and all these different things. And my dad brought home, you know, a compact disc of OK Computer, and I put it on and I just thought it was messy and it just did not, uh, it didn't do anything for me right away. You know, it's such a dense record and the writing and the arrangements and the recording and all of it, there's so much information that I think a lot of musical minds weren't quite ready to absorb it and have to expand. But I think it was one of those records that even if you don't get it the first time, something compels you to put it on again a second time and then a third time. And I think around the third or fourth time that I heard Paranoid Android, like I just realized that I was a two-dimensional being living in a three-dimensional world. And all of a sudden I could see this whole other plane of possibility in, in musical writing. 
Um, I should also take this time at the beginning of our chat to let you know that um, my dog is snoring very loudly in the background, which I'm going to attribute to COVID and the charm of all of us working at home. Excellent. This is this is an authentic conversation. It's definitely uh, an in-studio feel that we're experiencing right now, but we have our creature comforts very close to us. Yeah. We're talking with Jacob Bloomfield, Mr. Rock, here on Cover to Cover with Matt Tarka, all about Radiohead's OK Computer. And uh, Jacob, for our listeners who are uh, blissfully unaware of this group that's been at it since they were uh, in boarding school once upon a time when they were called on a Friday. Um, Who comprises uh, Radiohead as we know it today? Um, They have been a consistent band, which is cool. I give them a lot of credit as a five-piece band for keeping with five members for over 20 years. Um, Tom York, obviously, is their frontman singer, head songwriter, lyricist. Johnny Greenwood is their primary, well, guitar player, but I think of him as like the orchestrator arranger of the band. Um, you can hear his work all over amazing film scores. Uh, there will be blood is a great example of sort of, you can hear how he thinks about orchestration and the use of dissonance, which is a huge part of Radiohead's work as well as Johnny Greenwood, just as his own musician. And then, uh, Johnny's brother, Colin Greenwood, uh, plays bass. Ed O'Brien is on, rhythmish other guitars and then phil selway's the drummer when you first heard about okay computer um did you did you discover this on your own have you were you a fan from the beginning um how did how did this begin for you i know you mentioned that your dad brought a cd home were you were you familiar with um any previous work or was this a, a newfound discovery of a group that's stood the test of time in your um musical palette well, we had all heard the song Creep that was all over the airways a few years before that. And um, it was such a different sound that they developed when they hit OK Computer going after the Benz. Uh, and so I knew Creep, but I wasn't like a diehard fan yet. I I heard that song and that was great. I listened to it a thousand times. Um but OK Computer made me a true fan of the band as a whole and and to the point where you start buying every album they make on the day it comes out before you hear any of it. You don't need any more recommendations or referrals after OK Computer. It's just like, okay, this band is changing the world and I, I have to see everything they do. We are talking with uh, Jacob Bloomfield, uh, Miss Rock, here on Cover to Cover, specifically about OK Computer and... Uh, this is a perfect lead into my next question, which is how much of a drastic departure was OK Computer from the Benz or even Pablo Honey? Do you think that they had been building on the sound from the onset of the group? Um, what do you think? I mean, this is such a, an important record. Sure. I think it was a huge departure for them. I read a little bit, um, just interviews with Tom and the rest of the band, and it that record was a real struggle for them. Um, because everyone was telling him to go make the Benz part two because they'd sold seven or 8 million copies of the Benz. And they said, just make another one and it'll be the same. And you guys are successful and you'll make lots of money. And clearly that wasn't their motivation. Um, Tom York specifically said he wanted to be less melancholy and less angsty in his lyric work. Uh, And so he decided to write 
an album worth of lyrics that was not about personal heartbreak and personal struggle and about being a creep, but he wanted to make it a completely different direction. And he wanted to make it a social commentary on the world, on the direction that the human race was heading in. Um, Technically, they don't deem the record a concept album, although many critics do consider it to be a concept record. Um, And just commentary on technology. I mean, the name OK Computer and then the track that has the, uh, you know, the the computer actually reading the lyrics. Uh, I forget the name of the track offhand, but um, yeah, huge departure. And I think they very consciously chose to not just do a repeat of everything they'd done before. And even though we're only talking about OK Computer, I think it's really significant to look at the transition from the Benz to OK Computer to Kid A because they consistently completely reinvented themselves and they did it without failing, which is really hard to do. Absolutely. We are talking about all things OK Computer by Radiohead, the third record on EMI. And, uh, for, uh, yeah, that was uh, released in 1997. Um, Jacob, this feels like an excellent time to talk about either your favorite tracks where we can go track by track, or you can pick out uh, your absolute favorites and we can dissect some lyrics, talk about just some interesting little modular tones that maybe, uh, you know, uh, Colin or uh, Johnny Greenwood were fiddling around with at any uh, given point, you know. Mm-hmm throughout throughout this whole recording um how would you like to begin well i think one thing that is uh unique about favorite records as as opposed to favorite songs is it's so hard to make a container of music like a record that has 10 to 12 songs where each one is consistently strong most artists aren't capable of that level of craft and this is one of those records where I really don't have any tracks that I don't completely love. Um, and it's that, that sort of saying of, you know, you can't pick your favorite child. You know, if you have a bunch of kids, you love them all equally. They're different. You, they inspire you differently. You might get different feelings from each one. Um, but I, I genuinely love every track on that record. That being said, the two, uh, tracks that, sort of immediately changed my life were Paranoid Android and Exit Music. Um, and for totally different reasons. Paranoid Android's the second track on the record and their use of odd times and their dynamic range was crazy. You know, they're one of the, f- I can't say the first bands, but using odd, using odd meters in a pop song is hard to pull off. There's bands um, from the Prague era of Yes and Rush and Emerson Lake Palmer and bands like that, that, would play in odd meters and it was cool and it was sort of interesting, but I feel like that whole era of music was very intentionally using odd meters as a way of standing apart and saying, Hey, we're going to do something unusual. This record, it's not so obvious. It's just more a part of the songwriting feeling that they were going for. And so, uh, it wasn't odd meters for the sake of odd meters, but they go into this really intense seven, four rocking, like really big rock out section on paranoid Android. And it's surprising. And it just, it kind of rattles your brain a little bit when the first time you hear it. Um, and I, I remember very specifically the first time I really understood that song as a 17 year old, I just thought, wow, like the possibilities of what you could write as a songwriter in the pop 
genre on the radio has just been exploded. Are you, are you thinking about this, uh, this, this seven, four timing that kicks in right before the lyrics ambition makes you look pretty ugly, mm-hmm. kicking, squealing, Gucci, little piggy. Dun, 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 dun. Yeah. That whole section is, um, it's amazing. It's just, it's, it's counterpoint writing, you know, it's melodic counterpoint. It's not just, okay, guitar players got an E chord and then an A chord and then G chord and a D chord. It's here's a melody with like some counter harmonies and lines to go against it. And then a bunch of vocals are going to come in. And then this is going to be this huge climax build to this, like punch you in the face. I was just, because I knew we were going to talk about this. I was just looking up some of the gear that they used. And there's um, this like old eighties Marshall distortion pedal that Johnny Greenwood used to use. And uh, it's all over this record. And it's known as being a really aggressive, like thrash metal sounding thing which is unusual for an artsy pop band to use on a hit single. So um, yeah, just their use of texture and odd meters. And it was each section changed so drastically within a song. And I just, I, uh, I still can't get over it. And it's probably what, 20 years later. Standing the test of time at Tom York's vocals too. They kind of, they're smooth yet uh, kind of sneering in in some spots you know that's you know he's he's really bringing you know as much emotive quality as you know any vocalist i've personally ever heard take to the mic um one just little oddity at the beginning of that track um they purposely left in a click track just with a simple like one two three four count and you know it just seemed like we were we were in for some sort of a strange kind of ride where they were incorporating lots of different digital technology that gets featured later on that was just an, kind of an odd odd choice but one that kind of makes sense in a lot yeah. of respects yeah they it was just this one it was a long series of bold decisions i think and um Something like that, leaving in a click track. It just it uh, gives you sort of a, a bird's eye view of the song, the sort of meta sense of like, okay, we're making a song here, and it, it adds another dimension, which I think is what Radiohead is so amazing at. And another thing I'll just add, a little trivia. I was just reading about Tom York's vocals on the record, and apparently he used like all of his first takes for uh, for his vocal tracks, which I didn't even know until recently, but... Um, on a record like this, that's clearly so much about the craft to, to just be a one take wonder on songs like this that have also stood the test of time. Uh, I think it's just another testament to how impressive these guys are. That's unbelievable. I mean, you hear at, you know, just a little aside here, you hear somebody like Anthony Hopkins, uh, actor, he will, you know, do one take. And if it's not exactly perfect, the entire line needs to be somehow modified to keep it sort of that, you know, in a tradition of kind of a one take mm, sequence. Yeah. Weird. We're, we're talking with Jacob Bloomfield, um, Miss Rock here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, all things. Okay. Computer, all things Radiohead. Uh, Jacob, what other tracks would you like to discuss that have just really, just really hammered things home for you in, in regards to this album? Yeah. Got to mention exit music for a film. That record is just, that was a sleeper for me. I think I was so taken by the, uh, sort of more aggressive rocking tracks on the record when I first heard it, that, you know, maybe by the 20th time that I heard exit music for a film, I finally fell in love with it. And I remember the moment I was driving home from high school in my old Isuzu 
uh, trooper. And you know, when you're driving, you have to turn the music up a little bit louder if it's a quiet part because there's so much ambient noise of like freeways and stuff like that. The beginning of exit music is so quiet, I had to really turn it up. But what's amazing and so bold again about that song, even though it's sort of a more simple song, is the dynamic arc of it. It's just one long mountain that you climb and you get to the top and you just go a little bit further than you expect it to and then you come back down and then the song's over. And when you really turn that song up loud, which they must have intended you to do because they started it so quiet, when it gets to the loud section, it's really freaking loud. And I remember driving and my body started shaking with adrenaline while I was driving home when it gets to the moment and it's uh, uh, Colin Greenwood's bass doing the and the drums are just finally there and these Mellotron like string choirs are like just fucking the angels have descended from the heavens and Tom York is like reaching down his throat and tearing his heart out through his mouth and it's just like a moment in music history that has never been done in any way quite like it so um it's a simple song structure. It, that is one of the songs that is a dude with a guitar. It's a nice like A minor, like little chord pattern with a somewhat romantic classical music melody. Um, but the orchestration and the arc and just the emotional patience of it. Uh, just love it. I love the lyric at the tail end of this. It's It's very... It's sort of a chorus within a chorus. We hope that you choke, that you uh-huh. choke. Yeah, I don't. Uh-huh. I don't yeah, that really just sticks with me. The the, the sarcasm, you know, after mm-hmm. such a warm and beautiful ballad that, as you said, just continues to build and build. Yeah, yeah, that yeah. one. Uh, gosh, love that song. Yeah, we are talking with Jacob Bloomfield Misrock here about Radiohead and OK Computer. Uh, Jacob, are there any additional tracks that you would like to discuss in in great detail here that continue to resonate with you? Um, not exactly. I mean, I could go off on any of them. There's, uh, I forget the name of the track. Uh, it's maybe, I can't remember it offhand, but there's these vocal harmonies that Tom York does where he, um, like he'll harmonize against himself in a dissonant way and he'll do these suspensions where both like the major third and the fourth of the chord, he'll be singing at the same time and they just rub against each other until one of them finally resolves. And it's so dissonant and it's so beautiful. And I've never heard anyone sing um, harmonies like that before. And that's always been a big influence for me as well. Could it be climbing up the walls by chance? Yeah. Is that track seven or eight? Um, Hmm. Track seven. Yeah, that's the computer one, not that one. Yeah. It's not electioneering, so it might be climbing up the walls. Track nine. Yeah. Um, yeah, that that sounds right, actually. There's the, yeah, it's kind of like these screams of terror and just this incessant pounding, you know, that you get from uh, Phil Selway. And yeah, the very, you know, really beautiful and orchestral distorted type of vocals mm-hmm. as, as well. Mm-hmm. Um, one, one little lyric I picked out and, and, Maybe we can elaborate on this for a second. In the Benz, there's that lyric in just can't get no sympathy hanging out the 15th floor. In climbing up the walls, we have references to the number 15 twice. Uh, 15 blows to the back of your head, 15 blows to your mind. Um, 
I I'm was just kind of wondering off the top of my head whether or not climbing up the walls could have been uh, destined for the bends and was kind of left off or is some sort of a companion piece to just in some way, shape, or form. Interesting. Um, I obviously don't know the actual answer to that, but as a lyricist myself, and you're a songwriter too, I think we all have these um, like landscapes and worlds that we live in as lyricists and there's certain poetic images and poetic uh, word choices that we tend to gravitate towards. And I think that unintentionally there's going to be themes in, in the way that we write lyrics and try to tell stories. And there's certain numbers and colors and shapes and way that we, ways that we might describe oceans or looking through windows or whatever it's going to be um, that I think are part of sort of our core uh, voice. And so I don't know. All I could say is maybe he just has these images in his head and 15 is a number that uh, is personal to him for some reason. Only the uh, songwriter really knows for sure. Yeah. I'll, I'll text him later and ask him. Yeah. Why not? <laughs> We're talking with uh, Jacob Bloomfield, uh, Miss Rock here on cover to cover with Matt Tarka, all about okay. Computer. Um, we have no surprises, which is a bit of a lullaby following climbing up the walls. It's a it feels like a little bit of a sonic relief, a palate cleanser of some sort. Uh, but as Radiohead is, they have certainly something very different in mind. It's the complete opposite of a, a lullaby or a nursery mm-hmm. rhyme. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also have a track called "Lucky" that you know sort of feels like you know some tension between feeling like you're at a crossroads or the aftermath of something that's really just personal and pivotal. Yeah. I was always a big fan of subterranean homesick alien, which um, the sort of strange story that he tells about sort of wishing that aliens would come down and abduct him. um, I guess was also named inspired by that uh, Bob Dylan song, subterranean homesick blues. Um, Yeah. And uh, it's, it's a really it's a really beautiful record. I remember in college, I spent a lot of time just trying to learn it and imitate it just as a, as a homework study, uh, just figure out how they built that song. I was, you know, wondering, and maybe you've been wondering as well, um, that song subterranean, uh, if, if it was somehow related to later on the closing track called the tourist, um, there is, there just seems to be this, this idea of, I'm not the same. I'm full grown. There's some sort of metamorphosis that could take place in, in somebody's life or a metamorphosis that they wish could take place by being abducted by aliens. And I'm, I'm wondering who exactly the tourist might be if it's um, uh, somebody who's shed their former identity or um, it's, it's very difficult to describe. You I know, bet Tom York puts a little bit of himself in it too. It could be a commentary both on himself as a tourist, but also the way that he might judge other people as, as tourists as well. Yeah. Slow down, enjoy life a little bit. It's, it moves incredibly fast and. uh. Yeah. Pretty good. Electioneering is a great song. Great guitars on that record on, on that track. Mm -hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Actually I didn't realize it until recently also, but, um, Apparently, most of this record was tracked live, which I find shocking because, again, it's such a crafted album that you would just expect that they would do a thousand takes of the drums and then print that and then, you know, do a thousand takes of the guitars. But 80% of the um, 
eighty percent of the actual raw tracks were all played live as a band, which is is pretty that's, remarkable. That's really cool. A lot of tambourines and screeching guitars and electioneering, and uh, there's a real anger and cynicism that you get from Tom York's vocals and lyrics. You know, railing against uh, the the world order, as it were, yeah. call, calling out the IMF and yeah, yeah, the treatment of third world countries. Yeah, it's a good protest record, sort of disguised as a proggy art rock album. Talking with uh, Jacob Bloomfield, Miss Rock here on Cover to Cover with Bad Tarka and. Uh, Jacob, I, I want to ask you a question about cover art. Um, we live in this wild west where, uh, you know, physical media is certainly important to many record collectors, you know, but so many things, uh, you know, are captured digitally. But one thing that is very um, uh, ubiquitous is cover art supporting any sort of musical medium out there for every new recording. Mm-hmm. And what is conjured up in your mind when you look at this album cover anything within the liner notes what um what emotions do you get from this cover art or just what you know what things do you uh what what do you see first do you see any hidden messages in here yeah the okay computer cover out i think i think it's pretty interesting because the first you know 10 times i've looked at it or 100 times i've looked at it it uh it's not an in your face type of piece of art it's not like rolling Stones sticky fingers or it's not like a uh, yellow submarine it's not like hey here's something shocking you've never seen before um whereas the music is hey here's something shocking you've never heard before but it's interesting because it's a uh what do you call it a um i don't know it's a slow build it's a slow, a slow burn and um when you really take a minute and look at it it's very modern it's very abstract it's very digital it's very um collage I guess, multimedia, because it has some obvious cutouts on the right-hand side, whereas there's some sort of older-looking, almost vintage photography of freeway systems or people and then sort of ghosted images of people. So I don't think they were trying to do anything big and bold with the artwork, but the general feeling itself is, to me, dystopian. It has like a futuristic dystopian um, post-apocalypse feel of here are the shadows of you know what used to be human society something like that um maybe i'm overreading into that but that's my takeaway from it that's awesome i remember the term information superhighway was you know be- mm-hmm. becoming part of the vocabulary and yeah it seems like they wanted to try to capture that yeah yeah i mean you know, if in idea. the late 90s we were talking about information superhighway then what would you call what we have today? I mean, it, it is so far beyond an information superhighway of what anything could have been predicted. It's, it's, it's like a information IV that we all have 24 seven with our phones, just feeding information directly to us all day long. Jacob, it's been such a pleasure to talk with you today about OK computer. Thanks so much for being on the program and uh, sharing your thoughts about uh, the production and, you know, just all things. Okay. Computer. This has been great. Thank you. Absolutely. It's, it's a great excuse to talk about a great record. So thanks for chatting with me. All right. My special thanks to Jacob Bloomfield Misrak for taking some time to stop by cover to cover today for all of you listeners out there. Thank you very much. And please remember to hit that subscribe button on that device in which you listen to your favorite podcast, whether it's Stitcher, Google play Apple, or maybe even tune in. Take a moment to tell a friend or some of your family about our show. Let us know how much you like it by giving us a good rating. It'll certainly help us appear higher in those search results. 
And feel free to drop us a line at hello at covertocoverconversations.com. Intro and outro music of our podcast is produced by Jarrett Nicolay at Mixtape Studios in Northern Virginia. We hope you discovered some new music, perhaps rekindled your love for an old forgotten song, and shared a good moment with us today as we continue to sonically explore a world from cover to cover.